If you have your Bibles, please grab them right now and turn them on or turn in them to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. Now, if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give one to you. This is for you to keep. It's a gift from us. Just raise your hand uh, today if you'd love to get a Bible. We'd love there's some over here, I think over here, and we ha- would love to give you this. This is, this is life. This will tell you about Jesus. This will give you the words for eternal life. So we encourage you to get one of these and uh, to read that daily. There, nothing will change your life more than reading God's word daily. Would you please stay with me for the reading of God's word? We're going to be reading from 1 Peter chapter 5, the last three verses of the book. This has been a great study, hasn't it, going through 1 Peter? I've been shaped by it and learned so much. Um, here's what we read in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12. You can look this up in the table of contents of your Bible if you don't know where 1 Peter is and look for 1 Peter and then go to chapter 5. Here we go, verse 12. By Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. And may that peace be to all of you who are in Christ. You may be seated. What does this passage have anything to do with Mother's Day? Who would have thought of preaching this passage on Mother's Day? What was I thinking, right? Well, actually, as we dive into this passage, we're going to find that as we honor Mother's Day, and we are so thankful. I'm so thankful for my mother. What an amazing example of Christ she has been to our family. And uh, I honor you, Mom. I honor Lori as being the mother in, in our family. And our mothers are fantastic. And a mother's love is great, isn't it? But today, I want to declare to you that there's a greater love. Jesus says, no love is greater than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And what's amazing about that truth that Jesus declared is that not only we become friends of Jesus, but we become family of Jesus. And the family of God and the love of God is greater still than even our biological love for one another. Sam Alberry puts it this way, the blood of Jesus is thicker than biology. Have you found that to be true? Are there brothers and sisters here today, or, or maybe even outside of the church, brothers and sisters in Christ that you have that you feel closer to than your own siblings? What about your parents and like the love of God through Jesus Christ enables us to have a love that will last for all eternity. But it affects here on earth as well. And that's what's so amazing. And so we're going to encourage one another today. We're going to actually encourage the underappreciated, the underappreciated, and be reminded that our lives can make a great impact for Christ, through Christ that our lives can make a great impact for Christ 
through Christ, and that we can have a living hope. Often we take our family for granted. This day and Father's Day is often one of those days saying, you know, we're not just going to take moms for granted. We're not going to take fathers for granted. We're not going to take our family members for granted. We're going to appreciate them. We're going to honor them. And so today that's what we hope to do. Family is God's gift to us, to help us, to tell us the truth. There's lots of people who will not tell you the truth. You, know, you might be wearing that ketchup on your, your shirt, right? Your family's going to get the ketchup off your shirt, right? Your family will tell you things that no one else will tell you. They speak the truth to you, gracious truth, hopefully. And family also will cheer you on. I tell my family this all the time, like, God put you in a family to help one another and serve one another, but also to cheer one another on. Let's support one another. And the family of God, we're here to cheer you on, to support you, to help you, to tell you the truth, because we love you. So these final three verses is not just a sign-off like it would be on your email. Who pays attention to those? Who reads all those fine print? No, actually, these minor characters that we just read about made a massive impact. And here's the truth, is that maybe today you feel insignificant. The world's telling you, just find yourself, find who you really are. We want you to know that you find yourself through Jesus Christ. And in that, you can make a huge impact. And maybe the world will never recognize you, but God will. And that gives you great hope. So, as a part of God's family, you can make an impact. You can make a huge impact. And here's how you can make an impact. There's, there's three ways that you make an impact as a part of God's family. You can make an impact when you are a faithful brother. Look at it. Look what it says in verse 12. By Silvanus, a faithful brother. Now, we're talking about the brethren. Can we also say a faithful sister? Absolutely. Do you see yourself as a faithful brother? And sister in Christ. Peter saw Sylvanus as a faithful brother. Now, who's Sylvanus? Well, Craig Keener, the New Testament scholar, gives us some great insights. This will help you. Sylvanus is the Latinized form for Silas. Oh, Silas. By the way, I, I love I love studying these minor characters in the Bible because you get to chase them through the scriptures and you're going to find so many insights and it's such an encouragement because most of us will never be famous. And yet we can still make a big impact. And only heaven will fully reveal this. And in this case, Sylvanus, you probably don't talk very much about Sylvanus. You don't wake up and say, hey, do you know about the story, Bible story about Sylvanus? Silas is his other name. Now, who was Silas? Silas was one of Paul's co-workers, the Apostle Paul's co-workers. And on his second missionary journey, it was Silas who joined Paul to go out into the world to spread the gospel. In fact, Silas is most probably well known for the fact that he went to jail. He went to jail for Jesus Christ. And he did so at Philippi. Paul and and Silas are put in jail for preaching the gospel, as many Christians today are persecuted. Paul and Silas were. And in the middle of the night, 
in the middle of the night, there was this earthquake that God sent. And the doors of the jail flung open. And so Paul and Silas ran out quickly. Is that what they did? No, they actually stayed there. They calmed their fellow prisoners' fears. They started singing hymns. And, and the, Philippine, the Philippian jailer who was there, who was in charge of making sure that the prisoners did not escape, was about to, to commit suicide because he knew that he was in big trouble with all these prisoners escaping. And Philip and Silas said, no, do not harm yourself. Instead, we get this verse from Acts chapter 16, verse 30. Many of you know this verse. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. By the way, is that message still true today? It's still true today. This is a beloved verse. And it comes from the time of Silas and the time of Paul. Isn't that cool? Isn't that amazing? And so Silvanus was a faithful brother. But he didn't, wasn't just faithful because he remained faithful and went to prison for the gospel. He continued throughout a whole life. And I, I find this encouraging. He didn't just rest on his laurels in the past. He continued to be faithful. And now he's joining the apostle Peter. See, we need to gain some new insights into Sylvanus. William Barclay says this. I thought it was so well said. Let me just read it to you. He says, Sylvanus is most probable that Sylvanus was far more than merely the scribe who wrote this letter for Peter and the bear who delivered it. Delivered it. One of the difficulties of 1 Peter is the excellence of the Greek. Because Peter was a fisherman from Galilee. He wasn't well studied. And yet, um, Dr. Wayne Baxter, New Testament professor, can attest, Peter is at a high level of Greek, isn't it? And so Sylvanus is writing this. Maybe not, you know, dictated, but he's, he's, he's bringing the, the most nuanced way to communicate this at a high level to the Greek audiences. And William Barclay goes on to say, Sylvanus was one of those men the church can never do without. Listen to this. The church has always has need of people like Sylvanus, and many who cannot be Peters and Pauls can still assist the Peters and Pauls to do their work. I love that. I think about it in my life. I, you probably don't realize this, but there's a team of people that help me not to embarrass myself all the time. They edit my work, my letters. Our staff do that. and We, 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 we edit one another's work before it leaves the office. Because I'd rather be embarrassed in front of them than embarrassed in front of you and the world. Savanus was making Peter look better. This is an important truth that we need to understand. That as, as part of God's family, you can make an impact. You can make an impact and you can assist others. You can serve others. Now, some scholars believe that Sylvanus was not just a scribe, but he was actually the deliverer, as Tom Schreiner says, the deliverer of the letter. Now, this is, this is pretty amazing to me. He delivered this letter of 1 Peter to the churches. Mail delivers are very important. We found this out during COVID, didn't we? Um, the FedEx and, and UPS and the, and, the, and the Canadian Postal Service, they're, they're extremely important. 
They bring good news to us. They are entrusted with, with our privacy. A few weeks ago, I had to get my ID confirmed. And where did I go? The post office to confirm my identity. And if Sylvanus was a deliverer of this letter, of this mail, this was significant. In fact, in the New Testament, it wasn't like, oh, just anybody was chosen this. In Acts chapter 15, verses 22 through 23, we see that some of the best and brightest of the early church were the ones who carried these letters. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 15, verses 22 and 23. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders of the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brothers. Why would you pick a leading person to go deliver mail? Don't they have more important things to do? Well, we know if you go back to chapter 1 of Peter, who is this letter written to? Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of, of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. It's, hostile, it's a hostile time, isn't it? For the church. If a letter was instructing churches from an apostle, and maybe they were giving instructions and they were misleading that's a problem, don't you think? But it says they were in the dispersion in Pontus and Galatians and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia. Now, that is cons that's consisting of all of Asia Minor, Minor, which would be central and western Turkey. Think about this. This is a massive project, a massive delivering of this letter to the churches. I think we have a map up here just for you to see what this would look like. This is really important. Look at all this. Bithynia and Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia Minor. All these churches, all the churches that we read about in the New Testament, Sylvanus is the one who's going to deliver this letter. And how much travel did he have to, to make? Estimates would be about 750,000 square kilometers. That's a pretty uh, long ways. And, you know, it's uh, northern Ontario is, is 800,000 square kilometers. So a little less than that, if you can picture it that way. And can you imagine Sylvanus is like, you know what? Um, yeah, I got to Derby. Oh, and I forgot the letter. I got talking to some believers. Maybe he, um, he went over to uh, Cappadocia and he's like, ah, I got talking to some new believers and I forgot the letter. How do you feel if you were ghosted, right? Do you hate being ghosted? Do you hate when you don't get the letter that you were expecting? These believers were dying for their faith. And Peter is the apostle instructing them and giving them hope, a living hope. And guess who's the guy who's delivering it? Sylvanus. Pretty important job, don't you think? And all it says about him is a faithful brother as I regard him. 
As part of God's family, you can make an impact when you are a faithful brother and sister like Sylvanus who serves and makes us better than we would be alone. And moms and everyone else here, you can relate to this when you're doing the laundry, when you're up with a sick child, when you're losing sleep because you're praying. Maybe others of you thinking about, I'm the one serving the hub and I'm caring for people. No one ever notices these things. God notices. And you're faithful. And you've been faithful way back when. And you've been faithful yesterday. And continue to be faithful to the Lord tomorrow. Be faithful. Faithfulness makes a massive impact, doesn't it? We see this in the life of Sylvanus, a.k.a. Silas. And so may we do this, both brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the first way we can make a big impact um, for God's kingdom. The second is this, not just be a faithful brother or sisters, but to be a testifier to the true grace of our, of our Father, of our Heavenly Father. A testifier to the true grace of our Father. Look at verses 12 and 13. By Sylvanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Remember when, um, when Pastor Jason was, was just preaching about Jesus exhibiting grace and truth? When we exhibit both grace and truth, we are pointing people to Jesus. We could call that in one word, summarize it this way, it's the gospel. True grace is the gospel. It communicates both the love of God and the justice of God. It communicates the truth and also the good news, the bad news, and the good news of Jesus Christ. And this gives us great hope. And this is why we need to preach the gospel to ourselves daily. Why would I say you need to preach the gospel to yourselves? You, maybe some of you think the gospel is just, you made a decision, you got baptized, you're good. No, there are unevangelized regions of our heart, as somebody has said. There are areas where in my life, and probably yours, where you're like, ah, you know what, I just got to try harder. I just got to do better. I got to do things in my own strength. Um, you know what, actually, there are areas in my life that I, I, you know what, I just, I'm too bad. I, God's power isn't, strong enough to fix that. I'm just going to have to be like that for the rest of my life. That's the unevangelized regions of your heart. And you need to preach the true grace of our Father to your heart in those areas where you're trying too hard, where you think you're too bad. And you remind yourself the grace of Jesus Christ on that cross is powerful for all sin. Not just part of our sin. Not just part of our lives, but all of it, the true grace of our Father. So we need to be testifiers to the true grace of our Father. What area of your life is unevangelized? For some of us, maybe your whole life is unevangelized. You, you came here today, you don't even know Jesus. You can. There's great, great hope for you today. You can trust in Christ. For many of us, it's just parts of our lives that we have held back from God. We need to surrender today. 
But I find great encouragement because look at verse 13. It says, She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Testifiers to the true grace of the Father are like Mark, who formerly lost courage, but then be, can become helpful sons. Who was, who was Mark? Who was Peter talking about? He's talking about John Mark. John Mark gets actually quite a bit of press, but in an insignificant way throughout the New Testament. Acts chapter 12, verse 12, we read that it was in Mark's mother's home that the early church met. We also read in Mark that at the time of arrest of Jesus, now scholars debate this, we don't want to start a new denomination over this, but that Mark, um, there, there's this man who, who came to the rest of Jesus, and he, in the melee, he's being tried to be arrested too, and he flees naked. And some scholars hold to the fact that that was actually Mark. He'd been preparing and hosting the early believers, and he heard about the rest. He got up quickly in his night clothes. And in the melee, he, was, he lost his clothes. And it's anonymous. We also know that Mark was taken by the first missionary, Paul and Barnabas, on their trip. And it became very difficult. It was a very, first, it was a very difficult uh, missions trip. And Mark lost his courage. He struggled in his faith to believe that God could help him, which we all do. It goes back to last Sunday. Remember we talked about cast your, all your anxieties on him because he cares for you? And how we can easily just give way to worry? We become worry warts? God wants to remove the worry wart in you. He wants to encourage you. As Tim Keller says, worry is a form of pride because you think you know how things are going to turn out. But you and I don't know. We've got to leave room for God. God's got to be a part of the equation. What could God do in this situation? And Peter is now calling Mark a son. But originally Mark lost his way. In fact, this is so amazing. If you have if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 15, and you'll see what I'm talking about here. Here's what we see in Mark chapter 15. The very end of Mark chapter 15, verse 36 through 41. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. So Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. There you go. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had been withdrawn from them in Pathalia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they were separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed, them, sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria, or Syria, sorry, and Sicilia, and strengthening the churches. 
So now, Paul and Barnabas have split over Mark. But in reality, they've multiplied the mission's effort. And the kingdom has extended. But notice who's all involved in this Acts 15. You have Silas. That's the guy who's helping Peter write this book. And you have Mark. And what's really neat is later on in 2 Timothy 4.11, when it feels like Paul felt like everyone had left him. And he writes to Timothy and he says, hey, by the way, bring, bring John Mark. Bring Mark with you because he is very helpful to me. The grace of God had built, been encouraged. Actually, Barnabas had built courage into, by the power of the Holy Spirit, into John Mark. And because of this, Mark doesn't just fail. He's not just on the sidelines. Mark experiences the true grace of God, the Father, and he actually writes the book of Mark. Do you think that you're done yet? That you've maybe failed? The true grace of the Father is available for you. As it was in John Mark's life. Isn't that amazing? And you and I are tend to skip these last three verses of 1 Peter. Every word of God is significant. I love it. We can go from being, as our small group talked about this week, a warrior, I mean, a warrior to a warrior, right? And in the life of Mark, we see all sorts of, of hopeful things. Even Mark's mother, I love this, she, she just hosted, she just hosted the early church. Maybe you host your small group. Maybe you host a prayer meeting. Maybe you host pastor missionaries. Do you realize the significance that that has on your families? Lori and I try to invite godly men and women into our home because by osmosis, we want that to be contagious for our kids. I mean, that's one of your outcomes. That's one of your, your action points this week that you say, and we're going to do more of that. We're going to invite more people. We're going to be hospitable. But we need to testify to God's true grace. Do you have the grace of Christ in your life? You do, actually, because you're even here, but have you been testifying to it? You can say, I was once this. I, I was fearful, like Mark would say. And now, I'm writing about Jesus. I'm testifying to the true grace of our Father. So as a part of God's family, you can make a big impact. As a faithful brother, as a testifier to the true grace, and lastly, in verses 13 and 14, an affectionate and peaceful member of God's family. As a peace, as affectionate and peaceful member of God's family. Look again at verse 13 and 14. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Who is she who is at Babylon? Babylon is code word, in this instance, for Rome. And it, it harkens back all the way to the Tower of Babel. The Babylon always represents those who oppose God, a kingdom, an empire. In fact, a, a whole empire was raised up that opposed God. 
the Babylonian Empire. And the Bible talks a lot about the Babylonians in, in uh, 2 Kings and, and 2 Chronicles and, and Esther and Nehemiah and Ezra and Ezekiel. Jeremiah talks about Babylon. Isaiah does. And Daniel, which by the way, we're starting Daniel next week. Isn't that going to be fun? So, think about this. This is Peter writing, probably from Rome. And he's saying, she's in Babylon, in this very hostile territory. She cares about you. She's thinking about greeting you. And not just saying hi, but in the midst of all of the hostility, the church there in Babylon's thinking about the church in Asia Minor. When you read about the persecuted church, do you realize they're praying for us today? There, there are people in China and other places around the world that are actually praying for our church right now, that we wouldn't get soft, that we would stay faithful to the Lord. That's amazing. And this is what we see with this church in Babylon. And yet they also... Greet one another with a kiss of love, with appropriate affection. In a church two world and me too world, how do we show a proper affection to one another? How do you do that? You don't want to be creepy, right? So how do you do this? I think you leave it up to the person who's receiving the affection, don't you? What's appropriate? So for some, it's a, Fist pump, right? For others, it's, it's a handshake. I'll, I'll give Roger you a handshake. And for others, it's a hug. Lori? <laughs> now, for others, it might be a side hug, okay? What is appropriate? Isn't it? Isn't it time in our world where so many people just need a hug? And, and by the way, th this is me talking. I am not an overly affectionate people with other than my own family. But I do realize that sometimes just an appropriate act of affection is, is really important. It doesn't have to be creepy. Like me kissing babies, right? And it says, greet one another with a kiss of love. Because you are reminded that you are family. And as a part of God's family, you can make a big impact. I love this truth. Can you not see how Christ is actually using you to make a bigger impact? When I think about you, I think about the impact that you've made in my life, insignificant. How you pray for me, how you care for me and my family. How you welcome my son and my family when they're coming home from being away. All these things are so significant and they help us continue to be faithful, don't they? And to live out the hope found in Jesus Christ. Sometimes it might just be being a scribe, a secretary like Sylvanus and delivering news 
trusted news to others. Others of you might be Mark, like Mark, saying, hey, this is what I once was, but this is what Jesus has done in my life, and I'm testifying to the true grace of Christ. For others, it's a handshake. It's a side hug. It's declaring, hey, Jesus loves you, and so do I. Brothers and sisters, family of God, you, through Christ, make a big impact. Do you believe that today? Be faithful. Testify to God's true grace. And be affectionate. Greet one another lovingly. And let's wait to heaven until our Father passes out. Welcome home. Welcome home. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Sylvanus and Mark and the church of Babylon. People we often skip over in our Bible stories. But as we trace through and your great redemptive plan, you're doing mighty things behind the scenes. And great is our reward in heaven. Lord, we live in such a way looking to make that big impact through the seemingly insignificant acts of service and love and affection and truth. So God, thank you for your grace. I desperately need it. Our church desperately needs it. Keep preaching to us, God, through your spirit, to those unevangelized regions of our heart. We pray this in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. God's people said, amen and amen.